Happy Father's Day, happy Father's Day, guys. We thought about gifts, we give moms flowers. We could not find a single florist that had camouflage flowers. So we went with chocolate chip cookies. We had two different bakers tell us that dads love chocolate chip cookies. We tested them this morning to make sure they were good and, and we like them, but if you didn't get one on the way in, um, we thought it'd be kind of nice as a dad to have chocolate chip cookies. That way you wouldn't have to steal snacks from your kids during the service. You would already have your own personal package. Um, but if you didn't get one on the way in, pick up one on the way out. Actually, pick them up until they're gone because we don't, we don't need them tomorrow. So feel free to take all of them with you. But dads, we do appreciate you. I say that as a dad, um, and it just, which is probably honestly the single most unprepared job I've ever faced and probably the one task and job I've ever looked at and felt completely unprepared or unequipped to handle. And I thought I would get a hang on it, a hang of it after a while and, and get a better idea. But the truth is the way our children grow, they keep changing seasons on me and they keep changing directions. And, um, and I feel just as unequipped, maybe more unequipped today as a father of grown children, as I did when we were anticipating the birth of our first child. It can be at times a difficult job, a difficult task, but with tremendous and huge rewards. And so when I tell you we're going to look at one of Jesus' stories from Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to tell you right up front, this is not one of those prescriptive messages. This is not what I think you should do. This is what I think I should do, and this is what I hope we do together. It's a story that Jesus has made up, so it's fictitious like the title of the series, but the principles... And the fact that Jesus, who claimed of himself to be the way, the truth, and the life, and the only access to a divine and heavenly Father who deeply loves us, and on this Father's Day wants us to know how deeply loved we are, and how we are forgiven, and how we are prepared. No matter how inadequate we may feel for a task, God gives us that strength. Our Father comes alongside of us. And so it becomes a true fiction. It becomes a true story because as Jesus shares this story of two different builders who made the decision to build a house, to build a home, but did so with very different strategies and very different outcomes and consequences, he tells us this story just simply to remind us that there is a pathway that God has for us in any endeavor. And if we will simply listen, all of Jesus' stories have very simple points. If we would just simply listen to him, he will help us build, in this case, a house that is on a firm and a solid foundation. And that's what we want to do. That's our desire. That's why, at least in my case, I can, I can say oftentimes, I did feel unqualified. Oftentimes I did feel unequipped, unprepared, un uncertain. Pick about just every unword there is and it would come into play in the role of being a father. But this has been the endeavor of my life and this is the ongoing endeavor of my life to build a house, to build a family 
on a solid rock that is found in Christ. So we're in Matthew chapter 7. We're down in verse 24. There are other passages that include this parable, the parable of the two builders. I'm going to primarily look at Matthew chapter 7. So if you want to go to Matthew chapter 7 and kind of just camp out there and look at it in your Bibles or on your YouVersion app, take time to do that. I will add some comments at different times when I'm reading because I have collated Luke's gospel and Matthew's gospel together to get the full impact of the story that Jesus is telling. This story is told in an atmosphere of conflict. The religious leadership has determined that Jesus is saying what they don't want to hear and they don't want the people to hear. And so they've begun a campaign of misinformation. This is not a new concept in our culture. It's been around for centuries, for millenniums. And that campaign of misinformation is to convince people to not listen to Jesus. And his response is this story. His response to their campaign to tell people, don't listen, don't pay attention, don't respond or or integrate into your life the things this false teacher, this Jesus of Nazareth, make sure you're not paying attention to him. And so Jesus shares this story. It begins in verse 24. Therefore, everyone, and here comes one of the excerpts from Luke, who comes to me, hears these words of mine and acts on them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, who digs deep and laid the foundation on the rock. So there's our first builder. There is faith that begins with the construction process. The strategy by which we make a decision, what is going to be the basis What is going to be the foundation? What is going to be that bulwark which holds and and stands against the difficulties of life? In verse 26, so it's going to hop back and forth between these two construction workers. But everyone who hears these words, these are Jesus' words of mine, and doesn't act on them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Luke says, on the ground without a foundation. So here's faith under construction. We make decisions, and it's not a one-time decision. It is an ongoing process, and it's a continual cycle of decisions. And that decision boils down to the simplicity of, will I do what God says? Or will I do what the other influences in my life? It may be my past. It may be my heritage. It It may be family of origin. It may be education. Or will I do what culture or society or the latest guru in the self-help section? How will I make my decisions on how this life gets lived and experienced? And those decisions will determine whether or not I build on a solid foundation or whether or not I build build on something that is faulty and inaccurate and inappropriate. We're in the process of building. This all comes about very fresh to our staff and to our building team. We're in the process of doing design work and figuring all the strategy out for a new church and for a new ministry facility. We're going to leave this property and move to new property we acquired um, and be out in that property hopefully by 2025. Um, That's the, the timeline and the goal. And it requires strategic thinking. But strategic thinking isn't always easy and it's not always the simplest decisions. 
It can at times be grinding. It can be almost grueling to go through that process. Somebody asked me the other day as I was getting ready for one of those meetings, and they said, are you looking forward to it? I said, I am one preacher in a room of 14 engineers. Need I say anything else? It's going to be long. And I don't know the difference between a one and a half inch screw and a two and a half inch screw, and whether that's going to make a difference in the women's restroom in the far corner, which doesn't have a window, which that might mean that they can't grow plants. I mean, I don't know these things. But I sit there and I listen. During the hiring process, I told our leader, Berlin Kills, chairman of our building team back over here on my left um, this morning, I told him, I said, we need somebody who can help. I've not done this before. I don't have any expertise in this area. And so we hired, we went through a long, long interview process, hired architects that we trust who can walk us through this process, hired a contractor and a builder who has been in this process. Both of these organizations have built multiple churches over their lifetimes. That's their expertise. That is their primary project that they work on so that they can help us because we want to get it right. We want to build on the correct foundation. And that's an issue for us. We don't have the best soil in this region. There's a fault line. We have 32 acres out there. And there's a fault line that goes right through the middle of the property. We've already had one school completely demolished in this area and taken down because they built that school on that fault line. These are the people educating your children. So, you might, you know. But we learn. See, if nothing else, we'll learn from other people's bad decisions. And we avoid that fall line. I ran into a guy yesterday, never met him before, but he's from this area. And he said, oh, I explained to him where our property was and explained to him. And the first thing he said to me was, oh, doesn't that have a fault line going through the middle? I said, yes. And there'll be this nice big swath of a park right through that part because we're not going to put anything that has to be built on the fault line. These are the decisions that have to be made in the building process. It's no different as a dad and it's no different building a family. We're gonna make continual ongoing decisions and we want those decisions to be solid. We want them to be foundational. They want them, we want it to be something our family can build on. And Jesus says simply, not out of an egotistical perspective, but out of a divine He is God in person visiting us here on earth out of a divine perspective. Listen to me and you will naturally build in the right place and in the right way. Just pay attention to what he says. And guys, that can be hard for us. A lot of us, we like being outdoors. We like doing things. Study is not necessarily a natural thing, but there are so many tools available in this generation for us. We can go to our Bible apps and, and we can pull up um, version of plans and, and Bible studies. I picked one a few days ago because at coming into Father's Day, again, with a sense of inadequacy and a sense of wanting to just do everything I can to be the best at this thing that I want to, more than any other endeavor in my life, be successful at. It won't hurt me after this many years to read somebody else's devotion and to see the scriptures they pick out to encourage and to strengthen, to buttress me and build me up so that I can be the man that my children can look up to and help them build on a solid foundation. Listen to podcasts. There's more podcasts than you can sort out these days. Read. Read regular books. I read read books on marriage and I read books on, on raising children every year of my life. 
Because these are things I want to succeed at. These are things I want to not just simply accomplish, but excel. And read the scripture. Listen to the scripture. Implement it into your life, whether you have to do it one verse at a time with the verse of the day or whether you're doing whole chapters and you've got time to carve that out. Take time to understand what God's saying about living this life and build on that foundation. Because the sad part is, and we all know this, I'm not going to say anything new uh, you know, or just brilliant in that regard, is our faith will be tested. Jesus described it like this. He described in both verse 25 and in verse 27, these storms, these moments when faith comes under fire. I'm trusting him. I want to build on the right foundation. But here are these moments of testing. The rain fell. The rivers rose. The flood came. And the winds blew and pounded. The river crashed against that house in verse 25. In verse 27 again, talking about the other contractor, the rain fell, the rivers rose, crashed against it, the winds blew and pounded that house. Our faith comes under fire. And that's not unique to our generation. It may be, and this is just my personal opinion, a little more difficult in this generation than it has been in recent generations. But faith always comes under fire. Faith is always tested. We live as foreigners. We live as aliens in a land that isn't ours. The apostle Paul told the church at Philippi to simply understand as they've prayed and they've sought out and they've put their cares and their concerns into the hands of God. He says, simply remember this. We are not citizens of this world, but citizens of heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there. Yes, we may have a citizenship in a specific location, in a specific nation or a specific country. And it is the right thing and it is the proper thing and it is the appropriate thing for biblically believing people of faith, for Christians who have committed their whole lives to building on the teaching of Christ, to interact with those political systems and those public policy decisions and interact with light in the midst of darkness. That is right and that is correct and that's what we should do. And so we do those things. We fulfill obligations and responsibilities as citizens. But when it's hard, don't ever forget, we have a home. We can't see it, but it's ahead of us. And more than anything else, what I want to do is not only experience that myself, and Jesus has promised that I can by my trust in him, but I want to make sure the people under my influence are going there with me. I had prayed before either child was born that they would become a follower of Christ. And I have prayed literally every day since. When Carrie and I pray at night, one of the last things I pray virtually every single night is God, hold my children, keep them, watch over them, care for them, protect them, draw them to you. Because I know with all of their successes, and I am blessed with children that have had successes in multiple venues, but I know with every success they've ever had, I know the most significant thing that will make a difference in their life is knowing Jesus and knowing that there is an eternal home waiting for them. 
Storms are inevitable. We're going to face these storms no matter what, and our faith is always going to be tested. But that's not like a negative perspective. It's just being realistic. It is the nature of being a person who has been transformed counter to the culture and the ways and the thinking of this world. But we stand in the midst of those storms. You've probably been watching, it's been all over the news, all over Instagram and social media as the the deep, deep floods and rains unexpected in Wyoming came through. And and of course, we're, 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 we're not the least bit unaware of the devastation of flooding in this area. We've experienced it. We know what it's like. We've been there before. As somebody who grew up in the desert, I can tell you this though, there is something unusually destructive about flash flooding as opposed to rising water. And you've seen it. You've seen the pictures. You've watched houses this past week, literally the ground wiped out from underneath them and tumbling and collapsing into creek beds that were rivers at that point in time. Places the kids used to play completely inundated with raging, angry waters. I think it's interesting that the psalmist and the sons of Korah in Psalms 46, they describe the testing, the fire, the hardships of this world as if the ocean itself was angry, as if it is beating against the shore with a wrath that is destructive in its path. And how many times have we seen that? Every time we experience a hurricane, the state of Texas has to come back and reconfigure and redefine our shoreline because one hurricane in 24 hours can erode and destroy our current shoreline, causing it to be redefined after the destruction. And we've watched houses fall off of their piers into the wrath of those oceans. That's daily experience. It's going to school. It's being with friends. It's being on social media. It's going to the store. It's sometimes even living in your house. These things come against us. But it is possible to build a life that will stand in the midst of those storms. And we build that life on the teaching of Jesus. In verse 25 and verse 27 again, Basically, we're confronted with the question of how we're going to build and how this faith comes under our consideration, our decision. In verse 25, talking about the house that was built on the rock, the house that was built on the words of Jesus, yet it didn't collapse. It couldn't shake it because its foundation was on the rock and it was well built. Verse 27, and it collapsed. Immediately it collapsed, is what Luke says about it. It collapsed with a great crash. The destruction of that house was great. We can do everything right and horrible things can still happen. But if we build our houses, we build our homes, we build our families on the rock that is God's presence, on the teaching that is God's word, on the forgiveness that is God's grace and God's mercy, we increase the probability of surviving those storms. We increase the probability of having a home waiting for us in eternity where we'll all worship again. One of the greatest joys at this point in my life with adult children is when I turn around on a Sunday morning or I come up here on the platform and I see my adult children sitting in church 
with me. They've been with us in church from the beginning. And there have been storms and there have been battles and there have been difficulties. College, like all the statistics say, tested literally just about everything imaginable. They came through because I made a decision to build on a solid foundation. But they took that decision away from me and they made it their decision to build on a solid rock, on a solid foundation. I know because I know their lifestyle that every day they read the scripture. I know that they pray recently. I actually asked my son a decision this past week and asked him to consider it. And his first words to me weren't, yes, dad. I'm, I was kind of disappointed. I thought, I thought if I asked, he would just say yes, right? He said, let me spend some time praying about it tonight. You can't argue with that whether you're a dad or a pastor. <laughs> and especially if you're both at the same time. Children, our students down here in front, we're going to have to make the decision to take this construction over from our parents. Our parents did the best they could. But at some point, you're graduating from college, you're moving into a new career, you're, you're moving into a relationship, you have to make the decision, I'm going to build this way. And that's why days like Father's Day, and that's why the scripture itself always talks about generations and generations and heritage and legacy. Because the commission to build on solid ground, on the presence of God and the grace of God and the word of God, that's a decision every one of us ends up making. Whether we're a dad or not, Dads, we have a unique role according to the teaching of Scripture, and I am thankful that I do that in a community of dads that are committed as much or more than I am many times. And you encourage me, and you strengthen me, and you help me. That's what church is about. Finding community that wants to build our faith on solid ground, stand against the storms, and then be grateful when we come out the other side and the sun is shining and we realize that sun is our savior, Jesus the Christ, who we eagerly await because he's coming back or we're going to join him in eternity. In the same way I look over from where I stand before the service and the same way I look when I come onto the platform, I look forward to seeing my son, seeing my daughter. I look forward to seeing my family with me in heaven. And I look forward to seeing you in heaven. So let's make the decision to build upon Christ and Christ alone.